Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 359 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 359. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live TV show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on the Hospitality Channel TV. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. So our tools for review this week are three, and three they shall be, and I don't want to sound like uh, Dr. Seuss, but there we go. Um, One we have reviewed before for a variety of reasons. One is a mainstay of all uh, research that you'll see very quickly in our discussion. And the third is a brand new one that I've just started using, which is incredibly fun and very tailored to why I wanted it. Um, So let's start with the one that is we've reviewed before and that is spyfu.com s-p-y-f-u.com spyfu is an incredibly excellent tool it's a pay-for tool it does have some free component you can without an account with them go in there and slap in a domain and it'll give you some very top level top 10 top five results but it's very quick about pointing out comp sets both in seo and in paid what words get showed some examples of some ads your competitors are using your relationship of uh, your quality scores compared to your competitors um, that it finds online you aren't assigning the competitors you're putting yourself in now of course in addition to putting yourself in you can put your competitors in and you can see the world from their perspective or their eyes uh, incredibly useful tool i've used it for years in addition to other tools we've reviewed on the podcast before uh like ispinage and and others to better preview and purview your comp set your online comp set plus analyze your uh, designated comp set within say your star report or something and see how they rank against you for the things that you should be ranking for and and the insights to your true competitive value like a SWOT analysis between yourself and your competitors if you don't know what a SWOT analysis is strength weaknesses opportunity and threats and that's a category of uh, effort that's done by the exec team at any hotel every year which it also should be touched on more frequently than that to determine your relationship to your comp set in market so that tool is spyfu.com the second tool is a mainstay of all search abilities and easily recognized by anybody that's in this space and that is SEMrush SEMrush was pretty much the grandfather tool of a third party outside of the Google worlds, uh, the Microsoft worlds, Yahoo worlds that went in and really tried to tackle the analytics perspective of competition from an organic ranking perspective. It looked at data that was being made available back on the Urchin platform before Google AA swallowed it up and incorporated it into its Google Analytics the universal one, which is retiring next year, come July. Uh, And it really gave a chance to get some insights. They've only gotten better over the years. Um, That helps you really discover content, keywords. It allows you to research your competitors. It allows you to research their advertising. It's expanded to include researching your social media. Um, It provides solutions on a a scale that's multi-unit. And it is expensive. 
the more you want to use it, uh, the more value proposition you have to pay for its function. But it's undisputed, the gold standard benchmark of researching comps, comp sets from an organic and paid perspective. It is very, very good. Always, like I said, gold standard. Now with that, brings us to our third tool, which is brand new for us. Uh, and I've only started using it, and I gotta tell you, it is fun as heck. It was literally built to be a competitor to something like SEMrush or another platform like SimilarWeb or Hunter.io, um, and it is called Brandalyzer. B-R-A-N-A-L-Y-Z-E-R. Brandalyzer, it actually should play with it. It'll give you some really good information. Uh, Brandalyzer.com, actually. B-R-A-N-A-L-Y-Z-E-R.com. Brandalyzer allows you to do all the things that we just discussed with SEMrush, but incredibly more affordable in that process. Um, What it can do is it allows you to look at uh, it snapshots what you're looking at and it does a profile of the company that you're looking at, like the industry that it's in, the number of employees, the country that it's originated in, the categories that it works within. So it's a great little snapshot thing. And, and we've talked about tools in LinkedIn that do the same type of thing for that. Um, it does uh, some really neat, quick calculations in the sense of the things that are beyond just the discovery information of the other two tools, like uh, KPIs like estimated traffic, uh, lifetime value, uh, click-through rates and things that it can garner from the industry that it's in, the volume that it's representing, and the statistical relevance of its value as it's indexed against the competitors in its market. It does a lot of that calculation for you. Uh, it checks out uh, SEO optimization, backlinks, link referrals, competitors in competition to it, much like SpyFu and, and SEMrush do. Um, it can actually pull and extract emails for you that are working for that particular website that you put in there, which is aka the company. Um, it also uh, checks all the social media accounts that are related to that website as well and gives you that and information that you could pull and use for any further engagement with them. That is Brandalyzer. Brandalyzer. And that brings us to the point of why we brought these three tools up to our technique of the week. Now, for this week's hospitality technique. So our technique this week, and I almost just rambled into it from discussing the tool's functionalities. Um, If you look at the tools I mentioned, it's brandalyzer.com, scmrush.com, and spyfood.com. They all have one similarity. They garner data for you. That data is about your competitive set and your placement in the ecosystem of online marketing. To that end, our technique this week is, I see you, now what? The struggle of CompSet data use. So it is always fun in a very gleeful way when you begin to use these types of tools and you begin to see things that you can use like oh my gosh look at that oh look at that trend for them look at the traffic uh, that they've gone down look at their lack of engagement look at the keywords they're not using look at the keywords we have in comparison that's all real cool that is fun stuff you look like a rock star when you present this to your superiors as to i think i found chinks in their armor i think i found a total way we can go over and and storm the castle without going through the front gate Uh, i found the back door to the whole process i found there's things that we can do our SWOT analysis needs to get updated on and on and on problem is most of those conversations don't happen it is 
of interest. It is um, sometimes regulated to novelty. It uh, makes people feel really good about them discovering this information. It makes them feel warm and fuzzy if it's presented to them. Uh, agencies use this as a bang, a shock and awe, bang, wow, whatever, uh, flashbang, uh, in the sense of revelation, mic drop, here's the data you were looking for that you can dominate your competitors. But the problem is it doesn't go farther than that. Either you hire the agency to do it, but then they don't really do all the things they say could be done. They just do the things that they've sold you that they will do. Oftentimes, a lot of the data reveals things that they're just not capable of, of um, exploiting. And even though they love pointing at it, they don't really have the means and methodology to execute a successful plan to take advantage of the discovered data. Um, that's where we fall down. Um, that's why I wanted to make it as a topic into our, uh, our, our for our podcast and, and as a technique to redevelop. What do you do with your comp set data? Other than the affirmational aspect of it that says, oh yeah, boy, does that show me in data terms what I already knew about that comp, okay? And for those who may not know, comp is your competition. I keep referring to the, the slang term of it. Um, if you don't know that, that's what we're referring to when you say comp set. It's your actual competition set of people you are in your market competing with. We've often said that your comp set is both tangible in market and intangible in the sense of markets that you are competing with online that are symbiotic to the demographics that look for your product, also look for their product. So they discover that correlation with you and their symbiotic competition online against you. Case example that I constantly refer to is when we handle hotels in Key West, we're often competing with market uh, voice to places like Aspen and Vail, Colorado. Not because it is the same place, okay, not the hotel across the street, but rather the same demographics that we're choosing to decide to go to Key West were also the same demographics choosing to whether they should go to Vail or uh, Aspen, Colorado instead, whether they want a beach vacation or ski vacation, so to speak. Um, and so because of that, the demographics being the same and being an isolated DMA, designated marking area, then we were competing with the same people in and about the same time that people were looking to make those choices. That is an online competition that has nothing to do with your in-market competitive set, which is the hotel across the street in Key West. That's your in-market competitor. These tools can be used for both. One, and they can be used to discover those unknown competitors online, like the Aspens and the Vales, to compare to your Key West. But also, more importantly, they can identify how you compare against your competitors in lots of different ways that you can add into your marketing plan that can exploit the weaknesses or enhance the, the take away their strengths. But it doesn't happen as often as you think it would. It's great to talk about it, but usually there's an allocation of funds or, or a lack of resources or not a clear vision and path as to how to facilitate this data usage. And it gets kind of quagmired into the person that brought it to the table gets the brownie points, but it doesn't really get back into actual results. What does this mean in the long term? The next time that these these kind of discoveries of data get brought to the table, uh, you begin to build a history up where the person's going, yeah, we didn't really do much with the last time we talked about these things. And I don't see us doing much with it this time. So thanks, but we kind of already knew that. We're just not in a position to take advantage of it. That conversation happens way more than it should. We're in a very adaptive, fluid, flexible time. As we've talked about through the entire process of the COVID pandemic, which we are still in, 
Okay, but it's not at the same scale of concern or social impact that it has been historically for these past two plus years. So we have learned that there is a, a very high elevated need for adaptability. We can't do what we used to do pre-pandemic, which was make a marketing plan, marketing media plan, and once approved and, and budgets were allocated, put on a shelf and not looked at until it had to be taken down and the dates changed. Um, that is the old way of for failure. It was the old way of failure back then too, but it's now even more of a failure now. You need to be sensitive to your segmentations of market. You need to be sensitive to your plans to get in front of those segmentations of market. And I say this at a time when we're in the, for the markets that are receiving the best benefit of it, the summer rush. We are, um, as we talked about in last week's podcast, we're in the revenge travel mode right now. In spite of the obstacles of traveling right now are, in spite of the costs and the aggravations and the frustrations and the cancellations for flights and the non-available rented cars or the incredible high gas prices for our markets domestically. I say that with the caveat because in the European markets, you think we pay a lot of gas, the cost for gas over there, it's even almost twice as much. So... With all those negative influences on our travel um, aspirations, uh, cost of living and inflation, recession, all that, is um, the fact that we're still doing it. So it's hard to say, well, why am I, should I be worried about uh, the sharpness of the marketing strategies when the bluntness of exposure satisfies? And yes, you're right. You are, at this moment, the bell of the ball. Everybody wants what you have. They'll pay whatever it takes to get it. They'll settle for anything for things that are less than the value that they're paying for it. And you're willing to burn the lifetime value in order to do that. Um, you are cutting your costs because of the inabilities to actually hire all the manpower you need for it. But the yield and the ratio of, of costs to, to top line income are great. We all know that the gravy train, so to speak, the, that this is not going to be a forever relationship. Once we get past this revenge travel cycle for the summer and pending any other tragedies within our society or global economies that are already impacting our, our current methodologies, um, it's going to have its own diminishment, whether that's in fall, whether that's in winter, whether that's next spring. Um, it's up to your market and the demand to your market and whether and how fast that happens to you. But as we know, historically, our business demand ebbs and flows. It has its moments and it has its deep recesses of no demand. That's why it's important now, while the attention is on you, while you have the audience of interest and the traffic that you have, that you look at how you can make sure you solidify means of communication with your potential future guests, be them repeats or new guests. And that comes from being more refined on understanding how you are discovered by them. And that only comes from seeing how other things are being discovered along with you based on what people should discover you for. That's where these tools like Brandalizer and SEM Russian SpyFu come in. It gives you a perspective an introspect as to what you are and how you are in market. It gives you an extra uh, perspective, ex external perspective as to your competitive set, both in market and external market. And it allows you to create action items of things that you should address. I know that bandwidth internally doesn't always mean the ability to do these things. 
third-party services like what I offer and so forth can become expensive if you don't have a, a, a performance relationship that prices go up and down based on need and productivity. Uh, we offer that in that world, and this is not a sales pitch. Just there's a lot of variations out to it. To that end, I'll be going to High Tech and HSMAI next week, where a lot of software and services are going to be on display to show how they uh, approach unique situation demands for our industry and provide services to create solutions for them. A lot of these services and solutions from looking at this, because I'll be going there with my press pass and I'll be invited in to go over and interview all these different services and so forth and cover them for the TV station that we have, Hospitality Channel TV. And to do so means I get to go over and interview some of the, the amazing people that are bringing this to market, why they were bringing it to market, and what they look to be their solution by bringing it to market. Um, these are all to fill the gaps of what we know in our industry right now. We don't have all the internal manpower resources necessary to do that. So this is all in flux. Again, unfortunately, a lot of times our conversations about using the data that these types of tools give us as being a novelty and or affirmational perspective of the data is fine, but not valuable as it could be if it created action items that were actually followed through and the results measured to the differences between the before and after the benchmarking. What were we doing before we discovered this? How are we doing now that we discovered it and acted on it? Those create the successes that sit down with what will be our budget season here 60 days from now, actually less than 60 days, where we start talking about value proposition and where to spend money. It will be a fun conversation as we add more budget discussions into the podcast because obviously a lot of makeup of income was pursued with these high rates we're asking both last summer and this summer for all of the deficiencies in income over the, the two years of, of the pandemic's impact. So are we going to have the ability to budget funds that are commensurate with being good at these kind of tool usages and being good to be able to act and react and create strategies and roadmaps of success on what we're doing uh, with these types of discoveries of data? Or are we just going to hoard it and say, good, it fills some of the holes we had in our pockets and you get no more money, do with what we give you and we'll keep stretching that penny as far as we can until it no longer can be stretched, which who knows when that is, right? So there we have it. Our technique this week, I see you, now what? The struggle of CompSet data use. Now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. So news and show review, kind of a blend of two things. News is about the conferencing next week, HSMI and High Tech. We have talked about it last week to some degree, on, especially on the live show. I'd like to touch on it this week as to expectations of what our continued dialogue after High Tech and HSMI will be. Uh, HSMI has their marketing and performance week, uh, which is a combination of their marketing um, um, of conference and their rock revenue optimization conference in a two-day session while high tech is also going on with their sessions and their display floor and so forth but our topic for to, uh, the today for today's live show was why is pace and trend more important than real-time roi and uh, it was fun show we had some technical difficulties actually where some of our, our summer casted platforms on facebook um glitched and didn't come through so we recast it again so if you followed us on facebook by all means go back in you'll see the recast of it it's about 45 minutes show today um what I did, which most people don't really understand, is there's a designation difference between ROI, return on investment, and real-time ROI, which means 
current slice time decision as to a return on investment. I gave the examples similar to a stock market. If you were to take a picture of the stock market at any given moment on any given day, you might find that you're catching it during a downtime compared to what the value was prior to it at the start of the day or the day before or whatever. By the same token, just as equally possible is you do another slice of time and it might be above what it was at opening or days or two days before all of that. And if you were to base a decision solely on that report moment that you're looking at, you might sell things that were continuing to grow and you might buy things that were continually dropping because the number isn't truly the best definition of a strategic decision. That's real-time ROI. ROI as a tool is completely valuable if looked at like you do the stock market, from a sequence of time, last year to this year, um, progression of, of, of uh, business cycles, um, progression of yieldabilities, whatever variations you look at, look at it in a spectrum of a broader view, and you can base ROI on things that are accurate. It does turn into a good measurement. It is never to be discounted. You know, what you spend to, compared to how much you make is always a viable conversation. But taking real-time ROI creates poor strategic decision-making. And what I pointed out was a stronger perspective for real-time decision-making is pace and trend. Pace is the frequency of what something's happening. Trend is the progression of how it's happening. So if you have a good pace, okay, uh, and we talked about the booking windows and what leads up to the booking windows, and you look at pace in the sense of how was it historically, and we have to modify that in our current environment that last year and the year before aren't good measures of year-over-year experience because of the artificial variation of those years in the sense of business. So you have to take years prior to the pandemic, the pandemic years, and the current pace, and you create an average-weighted mean to give you a benchmark, like a here's a line. Are we lesser, the same, or more than that line? And that gives you a comparative analysis to show your pace. That pace is indicative of whether or not you're doing exceptionally well. You also look at your comp set. If you're selling ahead of your comp set in occupancy, and your rate is less than theirs, then that should be an indicator to a revenue manager that perhaps your rate is too low and that you can yield a better rate. If your pace, conversely, is slower than what you historically have had, and your rate is substantively higher than you historically had, then you have the option of, are you on an ADR-driven rate strategy, revenue strategy at the moment, or is it just you should slow down if you're looking to balance out and get the same occupancy for the demand to market? These are revenue management decisions tied with marketing. Trend is about awareness of people looking for and engaging with you to know how much is still behind what you're looking at in front of you. How many more people behind those people you're dealing with in bookings are there to book beyond that time that you're looking for? Is the trend of interest still there? Are we looking at a definitive end to trend, like end of summer is when school gets back in session to your market or from your feeder markets? That could be a definitive end in a progression of trend to say we have to plan for that precipice of reduced demand. That trend analysis helps you make good strategic decisions. The pace that your business is happening allows you to make good strategic decisions. Real-time ROI is an interesting perspective, but it is not the core value of making a strategic real-time decision. 
So that's what's our topic for this. The news, of course, again, uh, I'll be doing a live coverage um, broadcasting at HSMAI's uh, Marketing Performance Week both for their marketing day and for their revenue revenue optimization day. I'll also be using high, going to high tech, going through the booths, checking out lots of vendors, doing tremendous amount of interviews with a lot of industry leaders, in addition to catching some of their educational series there as well, so that we can get good even coverage on all of them. So look forward to that being peppered into and infused into our future dialogues on the podcast and also on the live show. So with that, you can find us on Google Play, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, the list goes on 39 platforms and counting. We're even on on Amazon's Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. Just ask to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast, and we'll do it. No matter which one you may use, if you like the show, please rate us and subscribe to us and leave a comment and all that good stuff. And of course, I welcome any and all comments from all of our listenership. I answer each and every email that I get, both for the live show, the TV station, and also this podcast and other podcasts we run as well. We answer all of them. We take everyone's suggestions. We take all criticisms and positives. And also, too, if you find yourself that you have something to contribute, you're more than welcome to join us as a guest either on the live show or on this podcast. So please reach out to us for that. And the other reason, by adding comments and rating us, it allows those that haven't discovered us yet an easier way of discovering us because we get pushed up higher into the platforms because of your engagement with us. And of course, if this is your first time hearing us, smash the subscribe button. We'd love to go over and keep in contact. We do the podcast weekly and have been doing it now for... Gosh, weekly have we been doing it for eight years, and we've actually had the podcast running for seventeen years. We've had in, in places where we've been monthly. We've you know, it, but we're now weekly and have been weekly for many many years now. Of course, for an archive of this podcast, all podcasts, plus also our live shows and all live shows, you can go to hospitalitychannel.tv. There you will find it in like I Love Lucy reruns. There's always a constant stream of our previous shows in sequence or based on content or based on co-hosts. But it's a perpetual stream of that that you can do. And also look for shows that you might find of interest to want to go back to. This one's show number 359 in our podcast. You can catch it and replay it from there if you also would like to do that. Um, also, please don't forget our live TV talk show, um, which is always on our Hospitality Channel TV, plus simulcast on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, all the platforms, multiple pages on all of them, um, which is This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the live show. Ta-da! Uh, it's also on Twitch, by the way, in case you do your media through your gaming console. So with that, my name is Lauren Gray. Thank you for the privilege of your time and look forward to talking to you next week. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 359 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, All Right Reserve, Copyright 2022.